3D6 down the line. All right, we are done. Welcome to the detox. <laughs> I the entire thing was Mort the Goblin's dream, dreaming he was a donkey. Everything was a dream. Was crossover. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, yeah. Did you guys think when I, whenever we ended it, like the way I described it, that it was going to be like a, a Wizard of Oz, everything was just a dream? Yeah. Thinking, yeah. That JR kind of got suck, shot though. and it was all a dream and lost. Yeah, they all died on the airplane and like, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. The thing what, that really what? killed me though is at the end of the thing when you're like, you know, it's so in Dolmenwood, you know, we could dial the whimsy up to 11. And then the very next thing is tune in next week for Arden Vool where we're going to just crank that whimsy dial <laughs> all the way down to negative five. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. It's going to be harsh reality when we get back to the, you get back to the, the main campaign. <laughs> yeah. The violence knob goes up when you turn the whimsy knob down. Yeah. I think. So. Yeah. Well, I was noticing as I was reading uh, people's reactions to these videos in our, in our various platforms that uh, most people seem to be very positive about it, but people who weren't as familiar with Dolman would, um, uh, <laughs> we're asking like, is this what it's like? Because right. if, if this is what it is, I may not be that interested. And, um, which is fair enough, uh, yeah. because if you're not into like this level of whimsy and if that's, th this is the only thing that you have to go on about what Dolman was like, then yeah, it might not be for you, but to make it clear to the audience out there, um, this is not, it's, it, this is, this is the, um, and I think Gavin would probably back me up on this is that this is indicative of a jaunt that you could take in the midst of a larger Dolmenwood campaign that you could insert easily if you wanted to pr provide like a little change of pace yeah. upon what was going on in the larger campaign. Yeah. But Dolmenwood itself, and you can clearly see this if you watch our deep dives, which are linked down below, um, that uh, Dolmenwood itself, the game is primarily a hex crawl where you're exploring the mortal realms of Dol Dolmenwood, but they are yeah. infused with fairy. Yeah. And there are lots of different opportunities for you to visit these fairy realms and to have fairy adventures. Um, and this would be one of those. That's that's all we're doing here. And, and John, correct me if I'm wrong, but so the, the, the Kickstarter version that's coming out, he's changed the rules you added some kindred and classes and glamours and things but fundamentally dolmenwood itself the place hasn't really changed much no um and so you know if you've watched our videos from our first campaign and if you haven't you should, Definitely uh, should there's some whimsy in there and then there's some places where we get our asses handed to us you know there is yeah. some seriously bad news you know okay yes yeah. i had a trouble camping that was fun, right? <laughs> Winter, like, baby. It's rough. When we go up to the Abbey and that tooth monster, whatever his name was, Mr. Bones or something. Mm -hmm. Bones. That is bad news. There is yeah. there is bad news shit in this world. And, yeah. and like when we played through the Winter's Daughter thing, I didn't realize that was actually like a whole module within a campaign setting. I mm -hmm. thought that was sort of part of the thing. Oh, good. Because that's what I would... <laughs> You, I, it yeah. worked. <laughs> it, it totally worked. And so once I realized that was like a, like a, almost a plug-in, if you will, then the whole thing started to kind of come together for me. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. so anyone who's watching and who's kind of wondering about the whimsy thing, whatever, it's like, it's a, it's a setting that you can plug and play all the different bits that you want. Right. To right. have it play out how you feel like you want to play out with your campaign, with your table, you know, whatever, you know, if you've it, like, I think we're all down with the whimsy here you know yeah. like <laughs> mosslings yeah. go, oh, well, you know. well the other good thing too is that you guys had experience with with like normal dolman wood so you right. you yeah. were um gracious you were gracious yeah. enough to actually just sort of 
take what I was offering and, and run with it, which was really, really cool. You know? Yeah, we're prepared for it. Well, go ahead, Matt. What I was going to say is that what, what I like about this setting is that it's an active choice, right? Like even when yeah. we were in our first session and we were doing this gritty stuff, there were doorways to the ferry, right? There were mm-hmm. doorways to ferry roads that we could choose to go into yep. or not, right? Yep. Like we could, it was, it was very much up to player agency whether or not, you know, which direction they wanted to take this in. Like, you, yep. you know, it's not just a dial that the DM can adjust. The players themselves can choose how, you know, how much whimsy, how how much fairy tale do I want versus how much gritty realism do I want? That's an excellent it's, point. As we right? saw in our in our old campaign, like the, when the door opened to the white way, you guys chose to go go in there and discover what kind of happened. And the same thing, if, if you looked at if you looked at that fairy door as the same way that the cauldron is a fairy door, um, it it. Uh, everything that the setup entails gives you telegraphs the notion that you're going to be dealing heavily with dream. And so therefore it's likely that the whimsy dial will be turned up. And so then you could, like you said, Matt can make an informed choice about, do we want to engage with that whimsy? Then let's go into the cauldron. If not, plenty of other stuff to do, you know, Oh my yes. Great big, easy. Yep. I'd like to say that the setting to me, like there's a lot of um, group choice in there. You can either have it, like mirror like a modern day take of a Grimm's fairy tale or like the old school like German Black Forest Grimm's fairy tales where there's like cannibal witches and all kinds of stuff you know it's just that's up for the group to decide where they want to go on that and when we first played um, Dolmenwood um, it was first of all it was my first OSC experience in like 30 some odd years right so um, I didn't really know what to expect I think and then our first encounter was that rag and bones man gloam thing, which really, 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 really was scary. It was fucking, mm-hmm. it was scary. Yeah. Right? The, that, like, was, that was grim. Fairy tale. Team, <laughs> like weird monster was like <laughs> awful, you know? Yeah. And I think that that basically flavored our view of Dolmenwood for the rest of the campaign. I kind of wish that like, if I could go back and play that campaign again, um, I would make braver choices. You know, I felt like there was a lot of times that we went to explore a hex. We saw something weird. We all had flashbacks to the gloam and we ran. Nope. <laughs> yeah. You know, 100 percent. Yeah. 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 If you, there's a lot of times when you you avoided things on to err on the side of caution. I definitely didn't want to tell you not to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, if you if you don't engage, um, you're missing out a lot of what Dolanwood has to mm-hmm. offer. And you're right that I think it was just the circumstances. There was like one being fresh to OSR. Style, style play that was like the biggest one i think a big part two in the two was the gloam encounter which put, made you fear everything right. and then three was the fact that we rolled randomly and it started in winter yeah the fact yeah, that we, I mean, that we I played never a, had full hit points for months yeah it was re- really brutal <laughs> yeah there was well, times and, whenever you you actually decided not to leave pre-warp because there was a blizzard right, right? Yeah. so yeah. You, um for, which, for potential referees out there be aware that um I'm not saying you shouldn't roll for for random seasons. I think that's really fun, and you definitely oh, should. But I loved it. Uh, but the but the weather, the seasons really have an effect on how this um, how this campaign setting sort of opens up, um, mm-hmm. and you should be aware of that before you decide to roll randomly because uh, winter changes a lot of things. It uh, really does. I, I love yeah. them. personally, so, man. Yeah. If I was doing this for my yeah. kid game, I would never. I would not start them in winter right away because I think yeah. it would just be. Um, we all accepted the misery fest of Ted trying to camp in winter, you know, and, and uh, enjoyed it. 
Right, and we enjoyed it at Ted's expense. Yeah, I know you did. But I think if you have younger players that are still trying to get their feet wet, I, I personally wouldn't. I wouldn't have done that. I would. I would have probably done spring or fall. Like if they rolled winter, I probably would back it up to fall so they can see what's coming, and you can telegraph what's happening. Yeah. And then still not let them necessarily go out in the woods and freeze to death on their first night and, out. But and winter too has a, is a very loaded term in this setting because of the past history with the cold prince mm-hmm. yeah. having put the place into eternal winter. So the people in the setting look upon winter in a totally different fashion than, than in other settings. There's a there's a mystical quality to it that's associated with evil things. Right. Um, and so uh, you know, it, it, and on the one hand, if you drop them into winter, they you could reinforce that immediately. Or if you did what Mike was saying, is sort of like you 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 dropped you drop them into a nicer season, but then telegraph that winter always comes and that that means something different to people in Dolmenwood. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. other thing yeah. you could do, of course, is uh, you know, since old school gaming depends so heavily on like you know downtime bell study and things like that you know you play it in winter's coming guys we got to get back to town mm-hmm. so that we can you know make our spells and do our training and stuff like that and then you know like for example there was that tavern that was smuggling beer or something like that you know that could open have been the open the ocean adventure and then mm-hmm. you know spring comes all right let's get back out there and break out the mule and kind of thing you know and that we spent three months making spells and scrolls and potions and uh we're ready to hit the road kind of thing. So it, it yeah. I would definitely keep if anybody listening. I would definitely keep the weather part of the system, but you can't not have weather be part of the system, but think about it. Like uh, we, we didn't have that opportunity in our game because we started in the depths of winter. We were broke. Like it was like, we had to go out to the woods and try and find some That's loot. True. Yeah. yeah. You know? like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. In ter- anyway. also like in terms of like driving factors, like this is one thing that I've thought a lot about because, you know, the the uh, character that I played in that campaign, Halifax Winnie, you know, he was this squire trying to become a knight, right? Mm-hmm. And so there were certain, you know, uh, you know, plot uh, uh, hooks that once they right. were dangled there. You know, it wouldn't make any sense for that character not to gravitate towards those. No doubt. The very first one, like the reason you went to the Gloam is because your lady's um, exactly, daughter was right? was kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, so right. it yeah. wouldn't it wouldn't have it would have felt like, you know, I, I'm never one for like, oh, this is what my character would do, blah, blah, blah. But it, it would have felt like so egregiously out of character to say, oh, no yeah, she's fine. Yeah, well, let's go. You know, let's go do this other thing right? yeah. that, you know, that. In terms of, you know, like, like things that drive things like the weather and like, um, you know, this is another one that can really like guide at those early stages of the campaign. Like what what's going to happen? Right. Yeah, it's re- it's really cool. And- I, I would say that my last comment about the weather is that um, it really did make the woods feel like a, an additional party member. Right. Like it was something else that you had to interact with and interacted with you regardless of whether or not you wanted it. Like most campaign settings, like, and and I love, I'm I'm just gonna say, I loved my time as a child in forgotten realms. Right. But other than some descriptions about Sandy palm trees or like what, it didn't really, it didn't really matter where you were, you know, they were just place names on a map. But when you really have dangerous weather be part of your campaign setting it makes that world be like another party member in the in the in the game and i thought that that this last game i thought it did that better than any other systems that i had seen 
Uh, or yeah. an antagonist. <laughs> yeah. Or an antagonist, right. Yeah, no doubt. No. It integrates it right into the game itself. Where I mean, you could play AD&D, and of course, if you had like the Wilderness Survival Guide, sure. or you dig deep into the DMG, you could find charts that would give you that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. but, but it was never assumed that, that, that it was just a, a part and parcel of the game. Um, I, I, and plus we were kids, so we never rolled on those charts anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. But as far as I, I just wanted to speak real quickly on the design of the adventure and kind of what I'm seeing from my end here, I think right. it's, it, I think it's very well designed. I, I don't know if you guys could kind of pick up on that yourselves, but it's, it's nicely, um, Xandered, I guess is the, is the phrase that we're using now. Like it, it has like multiple ways to approach different rooms, mm -hmm. um, and easier, usually like an easier and hard way to get to like the, the media rooms, right? Like there's the secret door into the cauldron room, but then there's the, the other like way that. around, you know? And I, what I really like too, is that the goal, um, which was the moon map, um, what I liked is that you could find it, but you couldn't get it unless yes. you got that other key, yep. you know, which which then engendered more explore, exploration, which I thought was really, really cool. You noticed that. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was really, really. And, and everything sort of had like its own little puzzle that you could apply to the problem in the room itself, but then also take out of the room and apply in other places mm -hmm. if you just thought laterally which you guys are excellent at now um as osr veterans and uh it was just really cool to see you guys play skillfully because you're you are dyed in the wool veterans of osr now and so um almost everything that could be interacted with in, a, in an interesting way you did do that which is really really gratifying to see is that you basically took everything that the module was offering and interacted with it um did we miss the, any and, particularly dangerous spots did we like bypass something that you were like oh they're screwed like did you well, have like that moment where you thought we were all dead uh, I thought I thought you I thought you might piss off Sorello and maybe accidentally or deliberately in case then there would have been a full on battle and he would have been really, really nasty. If you didn't, the, the most besides Sorello's stats, the most difficult creature to beat was the Guardian um, statue. He was a beast. Um, I that, that's a TPK like he's really, really nasty. Um, and uh, uh you, it, it's definitely, he's more of like a puzzle than he was like a combat encounter, which you guys immediately yeah. just figured right. that out, which is great. Oh, yeah. The other thing too was, is that um, this, uh, and I'll, since I have nothing to lose here, because uh, we're not playing an ongoing campaign, the random encounter chance was, I had to roll every turn. Every turn that passed, I rolled, and there was a one in six chance of something occurring, and I hit it twice. Wow. I hit it twice. Yeah, so there's a lot well, of- What were the now, two now, random things? So one random was was the uh, the appearance of the of the uh, entrance chamber in the wolves painting at wolves uh -huh. tapestry uh -huh. that was random, um, and the other one was the appearance of Sir Wello just checking on you in the dreaming chamber. Ah, uh, okay. This, this I, wondered, I wondered. Yeah. I felt like that felt very Deus Ex Machina somehow, and yeah. I was like, why would he just show up right there? John just sends him over just to kind of kick us out of our pl complacency of sitting there trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, but See, he was I, I totally, I totally, he was friendly. I'm telegraphed several times that he patrols. Yeah. And that, you know, he, he even said earlier in the adventure, he was right. like, if you come look for me in my rooms, I may not be there because I'm off and wandering. Nice, the hall. Mike. Yeah. You remember that? So, yeah. I, I, I understood that, but it just felt like right at that moment for him to show up was, I, I, I assumed it was not random. And I saw, so I assumed John was like, He's going to go nope. on patrol. Like, no, it was just it was totally random. random. That was yep. random. That's but, random. So you, were there anything else that were more combat oriented? Because one thing that I was, I, I loved about this module, especially with the, you know, um, the, 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 our, our party was that there was no combat. 
unless we started mm. it or stumbled into it or said something stupid Correct. or or yep. like whatever because i was dreading like taking my character into a combat situation this whole game no I'm, I'm guessing at his design intentions because I, I haven't gotten this clearly from him but it certainly seems to me from the design that this is not only like a starter adventure for Dolmenwood, but it's also a starter adventure similar to tomb of the serpent kings where it's mm -hmm. um it's it's supposed to be a teaching module so the lethality has sort of been dropped down just a little bit because um, this is my impression. I could be wrong, but it seems that Gavin is trying to teach people who may not be used to this style of play um, uh, the lessons that, uh, you know, about solving puzzles and um, and how not every encounter needs to be combat. Uh, you know, if, if you guys weren't veterans, um, you probably would have learned quickly that, you know, to touching the caterpillar's food is not good, uh, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. Um, so we, also, think, we still did that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well also like you know it, it the telegraphing was clear and and even like well i don't know how you say post telegraphing but like we you know we we screwed up and like messed with the the, the caterpillars before asking or whatever you know we we broke the rules of decorum and mm -hmm. he showed up and was you know, like wagged his finger at us right mm -hmm. he didn't just murder us he was like don't do that here like it was right. very clearly stated don't make him don't make a fuss here try to figure this no. out yeah. was that yeah, and the GM fact that he wasn't a bad guy was that yeah. was that a gm choice or was that um something that was written it was written it was written yeah that that, okay. that that's how he would react you know but it was left up to me about how far you guys would push it before he actually attacks right. you know um so uh i i thought about actually having him like he was very close to going all out battle last last session whenever um crump tossed over the cauldron Right, but it yeah. was your guys' role playing that caused him to to forgive you one last time. Um, but I I definitely would have broken out combat if you guys had screwed around in any sort of major way again, you know. So um, before we go, I just want to let you guys know uh, there there were two major things that you didn't interact with um, oh. that was not your fault. Um, but I just want uh, one is the random encounter. So this is what you could have sort of encountered that may have led to more combat. One, um, you uh, hungry caterpillars would have, might have been searching around for food. And seeing only you would have attacked immediately. Okay. Um, uh, a random pot of soup would have uh, escaped from the kitchen <laughs> and animated and looked to harm you deliberately, unlike the rest of the utensils. Um, sprites may have manifested. Sprites are super cool. You actually encountered them in the um, incandescent grottos. Incandescent grottos. Um, they're really fun because like there's a whole bunch of different varieties and they all do crazy things. And I would have had to roll that randomly, so it would have been fun for me too. Uh, Sorello was one that you hit, so you got that one. One was gravity ceases for 1d4 turns. So you actually like <laughs> float upwards. I was hoping for that one. Um, one was a vision of a random location, which is you hit that. So I actually did roll that randomly. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, I just, I, you actually roll like a, like wh whatever the number of rooms are in this dungeon. And then you, I just looked up, up on the key and it happened to be the entrance chamber. And that's what you guys saw. Um, the one is like a, just like a flavor thing where you sort of, um, oh no, it's not flavor. You hear a sinister chuckle and magical dark darkness descends for 1d6 turns. Mundane light sources are ineffective, but magical light and moon, moon sight enable vision. So that would have been a kind of a problem. And the last one was everything tinges scarlet and creatures' eyes and mouths double in size. Um, <laughs> you, you have to roll a save versus spell or you become mistrustful and suspicious and all reaction rolls suffer a minus two penalty. So that might have been actually pretty rough if you were dealing with Sorwello again. That's scary, right? Like that's yeah. when he dives the Dolmenwood into like the realm of I'm out. <laughs> like a little bit of horror, right? Like a lot of dark stuff, yeah. yeah. That's and cool. then lastly, the... Um, the you didn't interact with the cauldron of places uh, you no, didn't use the really. pewter rod on the cauldron of yeah. places 
So this was actually really cool. And this is what part of the adventure that I love is that it, 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 it drops seeds for um, it's, it's there's the assumption that this is a small break within a larger Dolmenwood campaign. Sure. And what the Cauldron of Places does is it actually uh, gives you the opportunity to continue adventuring in wildly different places. So the, the opening thing is always the Dreaming Chamber. So you always sort of see the shag carpet maroon thing as the first thing. But if you had the pewter rod, you could see other things. And one would take you to the wine cellar. One would take you to the glade right outside. So it would just exit you out of the cauldron. Um, but the other three are across Dolmenwood, like in other places. So one takes you to the Hall of Sleep, which is where the, which is the head of House Gillifer. Uh, so uh -huh. you, you would have actually gone to the Hall of Sleep. One is the Dark Mirror. Now, I placed this cauldron specifically at the Dark Mirror. That was my choice. Oh. But the module says that it can actually be dropped anywhere. Okay. Right? Um, but oh, I, cool. I deliberately dropped it at the Dark Mirror. So assuming that maybe the cauldron wasn't near the Dark Mirror, you could have gone all the way to the Dark Mirror. And the last place is a hex um, uh, called Andromethia's Blossom Fields, which is sort of near Castle Bracken Brackenwold outside the forest. So, you know, the cool thing, too, cool. though, is that it is not a gotcha moment because you would have seen the scene, right? You could have gathered at least the general idea of what these where these places would take you, if mm -hmm. not the precise location, um, and you could have make it. You could have made like an informed choice about where you want to go, which is super cool. You know? yeah, and by but that, you, you would have had to. You would have had the 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 rods. You would have to be an you know a, a purposeful choice. You couldn't do that by yes. accident. Correct. Well, you know yeah. how it works. Would you if you go through? Say the whole party goes through and ends up in like, you're done. Right. Because it's all you. Nope. The so then no, you got to no. go all the way back to go get the cauldron. Well, it depends on what you want to do. So right. I should be clear, too. I just goes to show of an awesome GM I am. Maybe you didn't notice uh, the the uh, the last part um, where the swan ships come and uh, uh, give you that choice of going to Chateau Moves or going to the Hymnagogia. That was made up by me. I, ah. I, 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 I did that. Yeah, that was so, awesome, John. You're an awesome DM. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> awesome, yeah. So can yeah. we talk a little bit about what um, kind of bonus this is going to give our characters in AV? Zero. Now, should we should we talk about that? Like, I think that's big, an important thing. Big fat zero. <laughs> 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 but I'm really proud of you. If that matters, <laughs> yeah, Mike, gather, gather your tears in a decanter and send them to John. Awesome. <laughs> I would have put a, a view of the Arden Vool, uh, you know, in the cauldron, and we could have like oh, totally. joined Mort yeah. and company, or uh, or zoomed in on a goblin orgy down in the uh, debouche room or something. You know, now that, now that you say that, that would have been pretty sweet actually it's like a little easter egg oh well <laughs> but, uh, yeah. all of our characters would have, have immediately died <laughs> you, you see a vision. there's a dead goblin and a dead priest well it was uh I, I i really enjoyed it like and we may not see this in like what this what we played through could be very different because uh, yeah. it is unpublished of course it's still in development right. but um i presume it's been but, play tested before us so well, I don't know. I, I uh, from once again, I you know, I, I I can't verify this, but I'm fairly sure that Gavin is testing it with his own group. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he may have sent it out to a few more people, but as far as I know, I think we have an exclusive as far as okay. the public goes. Um, the, uh, uh, what, what what was it we did that actually opened the cat mouth? Was it the real was the real tears food. on the, the sausage, or was it the like real a threshold of food? So that was a thing that I actually offered a suggestion to. Gavin, um, so the, the, the trigger that would make it actually work is, th these are the words that he wrote. If fed a saucepan full of real food, 
equivalent to 20 rations. Ah, 20. His mouth okay. opens wide and transforms into a door. Um, so I was basically tallying the number of rations that you were throwing in there. Yeah. But then I was also willing to kind of go with, like, if you decided to just put a heap of real food, it had to be real food, into, like, a big container and just throw that into the mouth, then I would have counted it as well. So that's sort of what I did with the sausages. Like, once you made the sausages and just tossed the whole thing, I was like, that's fine. Because yeah. um, I knew that, I kind of knew that if you, if, you fed real food in and it was still doing the same thing. You just would have been more frustrated and unhappy than Yeah, we would have thought else. that wasn't working. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, I think it was a fair interpretation. Yeah, no. Um, but the, the uh, one thing I had to be hard on was that it had to be real food. So you had to figure out that tier mystery. That, you know? part's, that part's great. I do yeah. think that like the 20 thing, if all four of us had put all of our rations in and nothing had changed, we'd be like, well, that was just stupid. I agree. And in fact, we did wander away from that room for like a really long time, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. not that that was I, bad. I, uh, my other question is the room with the big moon face in it, where you make it cry and get the tears. Mm -hmm. Is there a trap on the floor or anything like that? Because we were so yes. careful about that's, floating over. That's true. Yeah, you, you handled that well. Yeah, there was a trap. I should uh, find that for you. Uh, let's see. What turned, room was that? Turned mosslings into into normal humans. Turned mosslings um, into chunky salsa. Oh, that could it, be it's, it's, it's a trap, but it's not like harmful. It just kind of sets you back. So if you step on a green square, the Trixie green, uh, you have to make a saving throw versus hold, or you disappear and fall out of the cauldron. Um, in oh, back in the real world. Oh, interesting. Oh, I thought you fell back in the real world, but you don't. Interesting. So that actually might be good for you if you have. So it makes you fall out in. Uh, it makes you fall out of the cauldron of places. So oh. you would have fallen into that room. So that actually would have, that could, if you hadn't found that cauldron and it hadn't figured out a way to access it, mm. that could have been like an accidental way to actually get to it, which is oh. kind of cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Huh. So cool. yeah, that's what would have happened, but it's not deadly. Did, just kind of. Did he out. have some kind of mechanism written in there for like, we, we spotted the trap, right? So we just avoided it. But mm -hmm. let's say you spotted the trap and you were forced to walk through. Did you have to make like a dex check or something like that to not step on green or, or how no. did that work? No, it was just not it, do it. They're, they were like big squares, man. You just yeah. from one to the other. Yeah, you so just had to figure it, someone figure really it. oblivious just who was like, I go in the room like Mort said Correct. would have done and <laughs> yeah. the green. I, and I, I was waiting for you to kind of tell me that you were not being careful, um, but uh, but Grima <laughs> was all over it, so it was all good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right, I mean, I had confidence. I knew that, you know, you guys are so good at picking up my telegraphing now that I wasn't really worried at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it's a really cool little slice of uh, a nice little self-contained adventure, you know. Well, great cheers for Gavin. That was great. I love it. I'm super yeah. excited. Thanks, John. Thanks, uh, Gavin. Just a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank I've, you, thank you to Gavin for providing this yeah. for us um, and for this treat for everybody to kind of see what's, uh, what's in store for us. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, so, John, right. here's yeah. the question that's burning in my mind. Does, yeah. uh, when they exited, does Grimo still have a red balloon tied to his butt? Oh, and so <laughs> that that was a green thing that you actually didn't turn. A dream thing that you didn't turn, right? Um, so you did oh, drag yeah, that. Oh, and, and the sword. We never figured out the sword either, right? Yeah, we, yeah. Left, we left the sword purposefully dreamy. Yeah, yeah so the sword and the balloon which you would have taken out in a dream state into the thing. So this is what happens with dream stuff. Um, Hindenburg. Hindenburg. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Let me just check here. Mosling just everywhere. <laughs> so 
Okay, so you you if you take dream stuff out of the cauldron um, into the real world, they will evaporate after one d six turns. Okay. So that's what would occur with both the balloon and the sword. And uh, uh, retroactively applying teardrops in the mortal world have no effect. You have to apply the teardrops in the dream world, transform them real, then take them out of the cauldron, and then they would be permanent. So, awesome. so both your balloon and your sword end up disappearing after about an hour or so. But only right. after he floated 300 feet up into the air. See you later, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a few people in the on the Discord who were actually talking about the ship. They were like, "It's a perfect bridge for a spelljammer campaign," just like you said, Mac, you know, which is true. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would um, I would love to play an OSC version of Spelljammer. I never played that as a kid. It always looked crazy. Oh, it's the best. I, I played it. It was great. But the um the the sage who gave you the thing that was actually um there was a, he gives you a couple of hooks about mm -hmm. how to get into the module. Um, I picked that one, um, to retrieve the moon map. So that was not that was not my doing. That was um Gavin. Um, and that, that sage is not a one-off, uh, thing just for the module. Like, like there's a whole write up in the hex and he's got a whole other lot of bunch of shit going on that you could engage with. So if you actually wanted to, if your goal was not to return the cauldron to the Duke, but to return the map, if your priority was to bring the map back to the sage, mm -hmm. then we would engage with full, full Dolmenwood where you're interacting with travel points and going through the hexes and going mm -hmm. back to the, so going good. back to that particular hex <clears throat> and interact with him. And he would probably provide you with other seeds and stuff for, you know, bringing him back what he wanted. And that, that, that very well could have turned into some sort of weird spell jammer sort of thing. Like, yeah. you, know, the, you know, if he's got his map, he's like, I'm going to the moon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that would have been crazy, you know, Who wants to go flares. Yeah. So it, it's it's cool in that it was both self-contained, but then um, gives you the it, it opens the world up wide for a beginning player to then continue on with their adventure. So it's very very cool. I liked it. All right, we'll call it a night, uh, and we'll uh, head back to the the awfulness that is Arden Fool. <laughs> <Next time. laughs> Looking forward to that. All right, guys.